overcome the worship of the Lord this morning? Yes, I did. Amen. Do you like our new uh, decorations for the church? This is our for now wall. We're just going to keep it this way forever. So, hope you like it. Get used to it. All right. Oh, that men would praise the Lord for His goodness. There's a lot of good. There's a lot of good songs out there, but there's no greater song that can read that comes straight from the Word of God. Psalm 107. Let's all stand. Let's sing this morning.
that men to praise the Lord for His goodness, His goodness, His goodness. Oh, that men to praise the Lord for His goodness and His wonderful works to the children of men. I fell down before Him to know there was none. I cried to the time of the year. It is vacation Bible school time. I want to brag on the Lord uh, for a little bit. Uh, usually on the, around the sign-up times, around this time I have maybe 30, 35 kids signed up. More and more kids come as they go. I already have 54 kids signed up in advance. So hopefully we're not biting off more than we can chew, but I'm actually looking forward to um, having a lot of the kiddos around. And many of them, it's going to be the first time they've ever heard the name Jesus and the Bible and the Bible taught in the way it's supposed to be taught. In truth, and not a matter of this whole, hey, who wants to go to heaven? Raise your hand. We're not going to do that here. We're going to make sure that they understand the Word of God, they know where they stand, and they're going to understand who God is. And so, one of the things I'm reminded of as we came together and got all this done is that Vacation Bible School, any kind of the work we've done, any ministry we've done, is not a one-man thing. It's going to take all of us working together. We are laborers together with God, is what we find in 1 Corinthians. And God is not going to forget your work. We have rewards in heaven. We get the rewards down here. And the fellowship, making this happen is what, what we're doing here. And what is it all about? For me to get glory, for my wife, pastor to get glory, it's all for glory of God. Unto Him be glory in the church. So servants, thank you so much for letting this, making this happen. We couldn't do it without y'all here. During this time in our service, I want to remind you that when we're coming before God in worship, we don't want to do so in a manner of everything was fine, my week was perfect, but we need to recognize before holy God, we need to come clean. We want to worship him with a clean and refreshed heart. No one confess sin, no unresolved conflict, and... We have the opportunity to do that based on a promise we find in 1 John 1, 9. It says that if we confess our sin, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sin and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Now, I know we quote this continuously, but the reason why we quote it so much is because that is Christian living 101. We live and breathe and thrive on the promise found in 1 John 1, 9. Because we are still in this mortal flesh, our body here, we're still going to struggle with sin as an everyday battle. And when we do so, we need to be able to come clean before our Heavenly Father and accept and cling to that forgiveness and promise that He offers us. It says that if He cleanses us from all unrighteousness, that means He gives us a fresh start. 
And I, 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 don't, I speak for myself as well. I don't know about for all of you, but I need that fresh start very continuously. And that's why I know the prayer, prayer has been described as say, pray without ceasing. What does it mean I'm constantly in my room over there just praying, hands folded, eyes closed? But prayer, when you recognize it as a conversation with God, throughout the whole day, I can be in conversation with my Lord. It's not just before bed. It's not just at dinner time. I can be in a continuous conversation with God, recognizing he is with me, and I can talk to him at any point. It's kind of like that illustration when you're going on a car trip. It's like, well, how was your car trip? I was like, oh, it was great. Me and my friend, we talked the whole time. Well, you probably won't literally talk and talk in the entire time, but recognizing with God, because I'm not, I don't have my hands folded, I don't have my eyes closed doing all this prayer, but as I go my way, I can say, Lord, thank you so much for letting that happen. I see in traffic, Lord, thank you for protecting me. That could have been me. Thank you so much I wasn't there at the speeding. There's many things we can recognize. And when you're doing here today, we know we are serving God. We know he is here with us today. As you're praying, as you're doing your worship, treat everything you're singing as your own personal song to God. You're worshiping the God of the universe. We get to worship the God of the universe. We talked last week from Romans 12:1 that it says, it is your reasonable service that we should present our bodies a living sacrifice. It says, by the mercies of God as our basis, it's the least we can do as his children considering what god has done in us and for us and continues to do all the things he was still yet to do it's the least we can do but to give him worship give him praise clap your hands together when it calls for it lift your hands when it calls for it god delights in the praises of his people now i want to encourage you you can worship him with your whole heart and with a clean heart so please join me in prayer as we continue our service Our Heavenly Father, we are so bountifully blessed, Lord, that everything we have together, Lord, working together, you know, as your church, you know, to make your work happen, that you would use as people so undeserving like me, Lord, and so undeserving as us who don't deserve even an ounce, even a pinch of your goodness and grace that you just continue so richly and joyfully bestow upon us, Lord. So, Father, thank you so much for the overflow of blessings that we can't even truly measure up, Lord, to how much you really do for us and how amazing and wonderful you truly are. So as we bring you our worship, Lord, as we bring you our hearts, may our hearts connect to you in worship and worship and song. May it not flow just from our mouths only, Lord. We thank you so much for the people you raise up in this church, the people that you continue to, you know, change lives. And we can't ever do it without you, Lord. Remind us continuously that without you, within ourselves, we can truly do nothing. So may we lean on you, may we depend on you, and may we just lift this week up to you, Lord, because that's what it's always been about. Not even our own glory, not even our own record, not even our own talents on display, but it's about your glory, and it's for your honor. We thank you for the cross. We thank you for the wonderful, wonderful promise and wonderful truth that we have in you and to you alone. And it's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. Let's all stand. Amen. Let's all stand and continue to worship today. One, two, three, four. We'll raise the power of sin and 
Well, good morning, Lighthouse. Same question. Are you ready for the Word of God this morning? No matter which one I have, which part I use, you're ready. All right. Okay. Every year, usually in November or possibly in December, we observe a tradition here at Lighthouse called Heart of Purpose Sunday. Heart of Purpose Sunday. Uh, we choose a Sunday in which we members each determine what percent of the income with which God blesses us that we will give back to God on a regular basis throughout the coming year. On that Sunday, we're going to hand out a slip for you to fill out uh, that uh, begins with our obvious commitment to tithe and then what percent of our income that we intend to give as an offering in addition to the tithe that already belongs to God. Uh, this is, a, is done in obedience to 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verses 6 and 8. And the message title today 
is a heart of purpose renewal. Now you're gonna you're gonna understand what that is here in a little bit, but the title for the day's message is a promise, a promise to myself. Do you ever make a promise to yourself? Second Corinthians chapter nine verse six, which reads, "But this I say." He which soweth sparingly shall reap also sparingly, and he which soweth bountifully shall reap also bountifully. Every man, according as he purposeth in his heart, so let him give, not grudgingly or of necessity, for God loveth a cheerful giver. And God is able to make all grace abound toward you that ye always having all sufficiency in all things may abound to every good work. Now for many years I would preach a reminder message during the middle of the year challenging each of us to renew our commitment that we made back on Heart of Purpose Sunday. Kind of like when a married couple decides to renew their vows. It's not that they change their mind, it's just a a beautiful reminder of the commitment that they made and their intention to keep that commitment. That's what today's message is about. Some of you have been vacationing or traveling and you weren't here, so guess what? You just didn't give. I'm not going to address all the reasons, excuses actually, uh, that you may have fallen behind, but they all add up to the same thing. This renewal message that I'm preaching today is something that I've not done in several years. Uh, This month, I had to transfer a pretty good chunk of money from our savings account here at the church to handle our regular operating expenses. And it's the first time I've had to do that in more years than I can even remember. Now, before you start wringing your hands and worrying, the answer is no, we are not in financial trouble. That's why we have a savings. And yes, we still have substantial savings left in the bank. And yes, some members are robbing God, and you need to fix it, and you need to do it now before it gets any worse. 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 1 and 2 tells us, Let a man so account of us as of the ministers of Christ and stewards of the mysteries of God. And then he reminds us of something that is a big reminder today. Moreover, it is required in stewards that a man be found faithful. Faithful. Filling out those slips and both making and fulfilling your promise to give certainly have a benefit to the church. Yet the greatest benefit taking place as we obey this command of God is to ourselves. There are usually some, hopefully not many, who will sit in quiet rebellion and refuse to fill out a slip thinking, oh, this is, this is just the preacher's way to trick me into promising that I will give money. That's what it is, all right. It doesn't matter that the command is clearly laid out in your Bible. So let me challenge you to do something this morning. Do some reasoning this morning. 
You know, back in Isaiah it says, Come, let us reason together, saith the Lord. You already know that you as a member of this church have a duty to honor the Lord with you, with his tithe. I started to say your tithe, but it's not your tithe, is it? We already know that. Uh, you know it, and I know it, and we all know it. Everybody here, we know it. Uh, I've told you, you've read it in the Word yourself. So neither I nor the Lord and certainly not me, his messenger, have tried to trick you into anything. To tithe is an order. It's mandatory. You will either bring it to the Lord, or he will come take it. And you know I'm right. Some of you have tried it and found out that that's exactly how it works. You're either going to bring it like he told you to, or he'll come take it. Leviticus 27 and verse 30. This is, this is part of God's law in the Old Testament. This was enforced before the law was ever given. And it's commended by the Lord in the New Testament as well. It says all the tithe is the Lord's. It is holy unto the Lord. That's why when we get ready to take up an offering at the end of the service. I tell the men to come, which going it's time to bring God his tithe and our offerings. Because the tithe is the Lord's. It just is. So what's this command about if it's not about promising God to tithe? It's not about promising God to tithe. God told you to tithe. He commanded us to tithe. He told us it's his and that we're robbing him if we don't. Where in the Bible does God suggest that you promise him that you will tithe and that you will give? I don't, I don't see that in the Bible anywhere. I will say this to you. If you ever do understand why God requires this business of purposing in one's heart ahead of time, planning ahead of time what you're going to give, if you ever figure out why that's in the Bible and why God does that, you're certainly going to want to participate. If you ever do understand why he says this, you're going to want to do it. To purpose, number one, to purpose in your heart to give is a promise to yourself. It is not a promise to God. God's not asking for your promise. He already told you what to do. You're either going to do it or you're not. The promise that the Bible tells us in the New Testament, the purposing in our heart, what we're going to do. That's something that God tells us to do. He encourages us to do. And it's not for God, it's for us. You see, we both reap in kind and in proportion to what we sow. That is the first thing we read about when we read the scripture that commands us to purpose in our heart what we're going to give. We Christians, you need to understand, do not operate under the same set of rules the rest of the world operates under. We don't. We operate under a whole entirely different system than the rest of the world. We must understand that we are mere stewards of what belongs to God and have been placed in charge of His goods. We really don't own anything. 
I know we say we do. We say my car or my house or my money or whatever. You know, we use those terms, but we all know we don't really own anything. You know, including ourselves. We belong to Jesus. He bought us. Lock, stock, and barrel, the whole kit and caboodle. He owns you and me if you are one of his children. And if you're not one of his children, he owns you anyway by virtue of creation. Uh, And his promise is to take really good care of us, and that promise is contingent upon our obedience to take care of his business first. We are stewards of what belongs to God and our responsibility is to take care of business in that capacity. Giving generously alone is not going to make you rich. But without it, a Christian is certainly going to, well, pretty, you're pretty much destined to stay in the same poor financial condition you're in if you don't learn to become a generous giver. Sometimes we think we can substitute things like time and service for giving. Well, may I remind you that you owe the Lord your time and your service as well as the first of what he gives you financially. You already owe that to God. Giving is not something we do for show. It's not something we do for bragging rights. God measures our giving by proportion. $10 for somebody making $100 in a week is exactly the same tithe in God's eyes as $1,000 for somebody who made $10,000 that week. It's the same for everybody. There's no difference. I wish our government, our tax people could get it in their head and understand that. This country could get out of debt if our country understood these principles. Giving and trusting God is the same for everybody, regardless of how much money you make. Some, some people say, well, I just don't hardly make any money. I can't tithe. If that's you, you need to tithe more than anybody else in the church needs to tithe. You desperately need to tithe. Unless you just don't want to make more money, you cannot afford to fail in faithful giving. You can't. The thing I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to move to next is a question. Is every member expected to give? Is every member expected to give? Technically, the answer is no. But practically, the answer is absolutely yes. You see, only those who receive are required to give. Only those who receive. If you, didn't, if you didn't receive anything, you're not expected to give. But if you did, you know what the command says. 2 Corinthians chapter 9 and verse number 7. It says, every man. Now, that's ladies, that's generic, okay? You do understand that, right? Everybody. According as he purposeth in his heart, so let him give. This is not talking about tithing. This is talking about giving. 
The tithe belongs to God already. You can't give God what's already His. But you can bring God an offering. Giving is above your tithe. It always has been. It always will be. It's not going to change because you don't like it. And I, for one, do like it, by the way. I have learned to love it. He said, every man, according as he purposes in his heart, as he makes a choice and then fulfills it by being faithful to what he committed to do, let him give, not grudgingly. I'm going to have to give because the preacher's going to nag me till I do. No, that's not how it works. Oh, I may nag you till you do, but that's not how it works. Or of necessity. You don't want to give? Don't give. You don't want to tithe? Don't tithe. God loves a cheerful giver. I am one of those. When I talk about giving, do I sound cheerful? I should. I enjoy giving. You know what you know what I love most about giving? I don't know if it's most. I really love giving. You know, one of the things I love about giving is having that from which to give. You want some of that? Learn to become a generous giver. See, where was I? Qualified by the fact that the apostle is writing here to the saved members of the church of Corinth, God says of every man, so let him give. So are we members of Lighthouse Baptist Church expected to tithe and to give? The answer is a clear yes, we are. Do do you want me to tell you the truth about things like this? Or maybe just not be... be kind of quiet and I mean I, I I have failed to preach the message in the middle of the summer every year like I used to do but welcome back to that tradition some have asked me in the past preacher do you really expect every member of your church to tithe the answer is yes I do Oh, come on. You really expect every member to tithe? Yes, I do. Sure, I may be somewhat disappointed because some of you may get weak and steal from God. It happens. But I really do believe that you'll come around on this. I do. I know that, well, I know what some preachers think of their church members. But I know some things about you. Matter of fact, I know more about you than most preachers know about their church members. Lighthouse members are not a bunch of wishy-washy religious people who don't really know what they believe. That's not who you are. I know that every member here knows a pretty fair amount about what you really do believe. I sat across the table from you when many of you Embrace the truth of the death and the burial and the resurrection of the Lord, paying for your sins. And I watched your face when you put your trust in Jesus to save you from your sins. I was there for many, if not most of you. I heard your commitment after seeing the evidence 
regarding the Holy Scriptures that you would accept everything in the Bible as truly the very Word of God, not just the Word of men. I was there when you made that commitment. Furthermore, I've seen the change in your life since you trusted Jesus. Real Christians who know what the Bible says tithe. And real Christians who know what the Bible says give. And I know that God has filled and continues to fill His church with real Christians who both know and trust Jesus on a daily basis. You see, I know some stuff about you. That's why I do expect every member of Lighthouse Baptist Church to come around on this. I do. You believe in Jesus, therefore I believe in you. I do. I think you're the best church that I've ever even heard of, let alone been a part of. And it's all because of what Jesus has already done in your life. Someone's asked me, aren't you afraid some people will get upset because you asked them to fill out a commitment to give? And my answer is, not at all. Why would you get upset? God commands us to purpose in our heart what we will give. You, you, how many of you have ever been in any kind of sales work? A bunch of you. If you have, you've, you've, you've been... You've learned this one really, it's kind of a universal saying about goals. He that aims at nothing, usually what? Usually hits it. He that doesn't purpose in his heart what he's going to give, guess what he's going to do? He's not going to do anything of any real value at all. Some people make 52 decisions a year whether they're going to come to church or not. That's not just sad, that's just dumb. You make one decision, if it's Sunday, where am I going to be? I'm going to be in God's house. Why? To worship, to give, to praise the Lord, to sing, to hear the word of God. It's, it's Sunday, I'm going to be there. I've purposed in my heart where I'm going to be on Sunday. I've purposed in my heart what percentage of my income above God's tithe that I'm going to bring to God every single week. And we do. We have for longer than the 21 years I've been your pastor here in this church. God commands us to do this. Making it known just makes it easier to keep our commitment. It does. This written commitment, by the way, it's for your eyes, not for mine, no one else's. You're not going to hand it in to the church. It's between you and the Lord. It's a promise to yourself. And as I have suggested and do every year, take it home and put it somewhere you will see it often and be reminded of the commitment that you made. Somebody might ask, Preacher, do you do that? No, we don't do that. We would if we needed to. But we write out our commitment to the Lord every time a, every time a dollar comes into our home, 
the first piece of that gets written out to Jesus. First piece, every time. And, and I, no, I don't need the slip. But if I, was, if I was having a little trouble with it, we'd put it on the refrigerator or stick it on the window by my desk to remind us. I have one of those I have one of those chairs at my office where I study at home that has a lever on the side. You know, you pull it, it raises it up, and if you don't mess with it, it'll stay there, usually. Lisa sometimes works at my desk. And she pushes the lever and lets the chair go down because she's vertically challenged. Most perfect, yeah. And then when she leaves my desk, sometimes she doesn't put it back up. And then when I go to my desk and I sit down in my chair and it's like I'm falling almost to the floor. And I, oh, man. And I get up and I raise my chair back up and I sit back down. And I asked her the other day, I said, honey, you know when you know, when you get out of, the, of, of my truck and don't move the seat back and I try to get back in it and I get in it and I get caught halfway and it, I said, well, it kind of works the same thing, same way with that chair. And so what she did, she wrote this nice little sign and put it there on my desk. It says, raise up the chair. Well, it wasn't for me. It was for her own self because she loves me, and she doesn't want me to strength twist my back sitting in my own chair. That's what this, that's what the slip is for. It's to remind you of the promise that you made to yourself of what you're going to get, of what the percentage is. And the Bible clearly shows us to do our giving by proportion. If I promised God I'd give him $5 a week, I would be so ashamed of myself after what God does some of the weeks in my life in our financial world. No, we give the same percentage every week regardless of what comes in. And I'm here to tell you, well, let me just, let me just let God tell you. Everyone who makes a generous commitment and faithfully keeps that commitment will definitely, definitely thank me later. I guarantee you, you will thank me later. How many of you are thankful that I preach and teach you to do this? Anybody? Amen. Some. Not enough. Some. 2 Corinthians 9, 8 says this. Next verse. The very next verse after God commanding you to purpose in your heart what you're going to give, the very next thing he says, and God is able. You don't believe that, though, do you? You, you really think God is able? But I haven't read what he says yet. You still think he's able? I do, too. And God is able to make all grace abound toward you that ye always having all sufficiency in all things, never, ever running out of money 
before you run out of months. Always having plenty and to spare. Always having all sufficiency in all things may abound to every good work. Is what we do at Lighthouse Baptist Church a good work or not? We preach the gospel. We preach the gospel to anybody who wants to hear it. And we preach the gospel to people that don't want to hear it. Some of your friends and family have come to know Jesus because of what we preach here at this church. What's that worth? What were you worth when you got saved through the ministry of this church? Is this a good work or not? then we ought to be able to abound to a good work if God will provide. And he has, and he does. We did not have to pull money out of savings to meet our regular operating expenses this month because God didn't provide. He provided, all right. Where did he put it? Well, it's like the preacher said to the congregation when they were trying to save up for a building. He said, I got good news and bad news. He said, the good news is we've got plenty, enough, plenty of money to pay for the building. He said, the bad news is still in your pocket. That's kind of old. I remind me never to use that anymore. That one's been used up. As a direct result of generous giving, Lisa and I live out every day the fulfillment of this exact promise that I'm going to read to you in Ephesians chapter 3, verse 20. You know what verse 21 says, unto him be glory in the church. Verse 20 told us how to get some glory to be able to bring to Jesus in the church. Verse 20 says, now unto him that is able... That's what it said in 2 Corinthians that God is able. And you said you believed he was. You still? And God is able. Now unto him that is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think according to the power that worketh in us. Lisa and I live under the, the shower of blessings that comes right out of that very promise. And we're not the only ones. Many of you get to see it too. Are you seeing it? Some of you are not seeing it. I know that. But is it because God's not willing to provide it, or is it because you're not following the plan, obeying the rules, doing what he told you to do? Which is it? Oh, I know what it is. He just loves us more than he loves you. That's got to be it. Right? No. You don't believe that? I don't believe it either. Today's challenge is really simple. Renew your commitment and keep your promise. Repent 
and become faithful again like you started out. Maybe you've never made the commitment to give and you want to get started. I'll have some slips at the door for those of you that want one. Extra heart of purpose slips for your way out. Jesus died for your sins. He said, he said if you would trust him to save you, he'd do it. So you trusted him to save you, and he did it, just like he said. And then he says, God is able to do exceeding above all you are able to even ask or think. God is able to do that. Yeah, but he didn't say he would do it for me. Oh, but he did. He did. I ran it to you about six times in the last 40 minutes. He did say he would do it for you. Don't sit there and tell me you don't want him to. You don't care because you do. Matter of fact, it's, you do spend more time caring about this than most anything else in your life. Just do what he told you. And you won't have to look at other members who are doing that and say, well, I guess God just loves them more than me. Woe is me. Poor me. Do something about it. That's it. We're going to sing one verse. Stand together with me.